This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Hey, uh, I want to just jump into a small uh, reading and a study for this morning, and uh, we want to uh, get you guys out of here as soon as possible. Amen. Uh, I want you to turn with me to Micah chapter number five, uh, verses one to four. Micah chapter number five and verse number one to four. Uh, We have been, like I said, in an Advent series. I want to give you a disclaimer real quick. Uh, Today is our family Sunday. So every Sunday we have a special service for our kids. And our kids have their own service in the other room. But uh, there are a few Sundays in the year that we do family Sundays where we allow the kids to come in and worship with us. Uh, I I don't want any of y'all to be annoyed by kids talking or screaming. I know that might be a little uncomfortable, but we're family church and we love the sound of kids. Amen. So I want to ask you for forgiveness as a pastor. Please don't look at them ugly. Don't, uh, you know, don't, don't hit them. Don't, you know, don't do anything that you shouldn't. Don't give them mean and ugly looks. Let them be kids. Amen. So I'm trying to keep, going to keep this message as short as possible. We'll see how that goes, uh, but well, I'm going to try. Okay. So Micah chapter five, verses one to four. We're in our last message of our Advent series. Uh, we're talking about the promises of the Advent, the promises of Christmas. And week number one, we talked about the promise of God with us, the promise that God gave us that said, God is with us, Emmanuel. The last week, we talked about joy, great joy. And that was the promise that joy came with Jesus. And today, I'm, I'm going to be talking about the Lordship of Jesus and how the Lordship of Jesus was one of the promises that came with the Advent. I'm titling my message, Jesus, My Lord. And if you want to follow the notes on your Bible app, you can scan the QR code. It's going to pull up the notes on your Bible app and you can follow. If not, the notes are going to be on the screen. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. The Bible says this, Now muster your troops, O daughter of O daughter of troops, siege is, laid, siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler in Israel. He's going to be the ruler in Israel. Someone say ruler ruler in Israel whose coming forth is from of old. Now this is the third promise that Jesus will be ruler. He is the ruler from ancient days. Verse 3, therefore he shall give them up until time when until the time when she who is in labor has given birth then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel and he shall stand and, the sh- and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God and they shall dwell secure for now he shall be great uh, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth his rulership he will be the ruler to the end of age now I want to pause there real quick the prophet Micah is prophesying about the advent 700 years, almost seven decades before Jesus comes into the scene. 
before God the Father decides that it is time for reconciliation with man that fell, that fell short of the glory, and he said, it's time for me to send my son. So here comes the arrival of Jesus, the second advent as we know it. Now the Bible is very clear when it talks to us about the power of advent. Micah is reiterating, and, and as much as I would like to go into the nitty-gritty of, of what this chapter means, and I'm pretty sure as you heard the long phrases that we used and the verbiage, you're like, what does that mean? Now, I wouldn't have time to break all of it down, but the key words is this promise that is found in verse number two. From, a, from among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth a person who will be the ruler in Israel. The ruler. This Jesus that we have is not just Emmanuel, is just not the joy of the world. That's just not the promise that God brings us joy, but also the promise is that he is the ruler of the world. He will rule the world. He will be the Lord of the world. Now, this is a promise that was reiterated to Mary. If you go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, back to our passage from last week. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose, whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now here's a verse. Here's, here, here's what I'm talking about. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. This will not be an earthly throne, but it will be the spiritual, the kingdom that will be handed. In verse 33, and he will reign. He will reign. He will be the ruler over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. It's a reiteration of the prophecy of the promise that came through the prophet Micah that said this Jesus, the promise that comes out of him is the promise that he will be a ruler. He will command authority. He will command rulership. People will look to him and be awed by his very power and the authority that he commands. If you look at the life of Jesus, like I said, I don't want to do, I don't want to talk too much today, but if, if, as Jesus talked, even from when he was a small little boy, you remember the temple, the Bible says as he began to speak, as he began to talk among the theologians of that day, as the scribes and the teachers of the law gathered around him, as his parents lost him during the celebrations, they come back to find this Jesus who is teaching everybody else who is reciting the, the verses and, and, and the prophecies and the prophets and people are captivated. The Bible says the teachers were captivated when he spoke. The Bible talks about how when Jesus taught, they say, man, nobody has ever taught like how Jesus teaches. The Bible said that when he taught and when he prayed over people, when he ministered to people, demons fled. He spoke with authority. He spoke with power. 
The kingly authority was upon him. The kingly power was upon him. He was a ruler. As he spoke, he spoke decrees into being. As he spoke, what kings would do was pass decrees and laws and rules. But as Jesus spoke, he changed the course of people's destinies. The sick were being healed. The people that were bound were being set free. The demon possessed were being set free. There was so much of freedom when Jesus was around. This was the king. This was the way that he was called to, to rule. The sick were being healed. The winds and the waves looked at him. Nature literally saw him stand up in a boat and they went still. The people around him asked, who is this man? Later on, Jesus stands at the tomb of his friend, Lazarus, and he says, Lazarus, he commands a decaying dead body that was buried for three days. He commands it and says, come out, Lazarus. There was a synagogue leader who walks up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need your help. My daughter is dying. And, and people around him were laughing and said, man, what are you doing? And Jesus walks up to this little girl and says, come up, raise up, stand up, sit up, come alive, is what Jesus looks at her and says. So much of authority, so much of command. He was a ruler. That's how he ruled. Jesus walks in and he says, do not be afraid. They laugh at him. The people scorn him. They say, what man is this? This, this girl is dead. But he says, no. Jesus says, little girl, get up. She walks. Everyone that laughed were completely astonished. Man, no one had the authority that he had. This man was just not a man, but people began to see the prophetic voice of Micah that came through him. This was a ruler. The, pe the people that were intimidated were people that were, that were the, the high-ranking officials of the land. Herod, the king, was intimidated because something inside of him told him that this man may not have the kingly authority and a crown that I do, but he possesses a rulership and a command and authority that no one else does. And as a baby, I'm quivering in my boots. So what does that mean? What does that mean if he is a ruler? What does that promise mean to you and to me? The promise of Christmas is that Jesus is our ruler. How is he your ruler? And my question to all of y'all sitting here is, is he your ruler today? Just like I asked you the first day, the first Sunday that we, we started this Advent series, is he your Emmanuel? Is he that, that, that God with you? Are you, can you attest to the fact that Jesus is with you every single day of your life? I challenged you that. The second, last Sunday, I challenged you with, do you have joy in your life? Because everybody that has experienced Jesus has experienced joy. Because when Jesus comes into your heart, joy comes with Jesus. Part and parcel of having Jesus in your life is joy. And the third installment is this. If Jesus is your king, he has to be your ruler. What does that mean? It means that he, you have to surrender to his rule. The Bible says, man, he is your savior and he is your Lord. That's what the Bible says. For a lot of us, we want him to be our savior. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. We make that salvation prayer. We, we do the sinner's prayer. We confess with our mouth. We say, Jesus, you, all of that is great. All of that is awesome. We ask Jesus into our hearts. But many of us are content with Jesus being your Savior. 
And today I want to contest with you that you should not just be okay with him being your savior. You should want him to be the Lord, the ruler over your life. What does that mean, pastor? My question is, are you going to allow him to be your shepherd? Are you going to say, Lord, you are my shepherd? You know, in that equation, in that relationship, the sheep really don't get a vote. The sheep just have to learn to trust and to follow. Am I talking to somebody? This is the meaning of shepherding. This is the meaning of rulership. This is the meaning of lordship. When you say, I want Jesus to be my Lord, it's a I completely surrender control. I surrender my say. I surrender the way I want to do things. And when Jesus is my king, not only do I want him to save me, but I also want him to be my shepherd, to be my guide to be my Lord and I want to be under his rule because that's what Romans 10 says Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 it says this if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead then you are saved that's what it takes to be saved If you confess with your mouth, if you don't know Jesus today, I'm asking you, today is a great day to say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. He becomes your savior. You were lost, you were in sin, but God in his infinite mercy sent his son Jesus as a savior into this world. Today, you are saved because of Jesus. Because, but there's one step ahead. And then it says in verse 10, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. You know the word Lord? The word Lord means to govern over. It means to rule over. And I, like I said earlier, we focus so much and we concentrate on Jesus being our Savior that we neglect that Jesus wants to be our Lord. Am I talking to somebody today? It's the choice that we make day after day to submit to his lordship. You know what hurts Jesus more than anything else? Let me let you in on something. Luke chapter 6 and verse 46. He says this. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? You cannot say Jesus is your Lord if you are not in obedience with Jesus. Every single day, am I making a commitment to be under the obedience of Jesus Christ? Am I doing what he says? Am I being under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Do I wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, lead me? Am I waking up in the morning saying, Holy Spirit, guide me? Jesus, would you take complete control? Tell me where to go. Tell me where to park. Tell me who to talk to. Tell me who to speak with. Tell me what to say. Tell me what not to say. This is important, Lord, y'all. Is Jesus your Lord? Does he dictate every part of your being? Because he says this, on that day, man, he's going to say, man, I, I don't know you. I don't know who you are. Like he's saying, this, this is what gets him. He says, Lord, you, you call me Lord, Lord. You say, Jesus, Jesus. You pray, you intercede. You want things to happen. You, you do all this fasting and you're praying and you're saying, Lord, Lord, why do you call me Lord, Lord and do not do? So lordship is directly co- Connected to obedience. Obedience of scriptures. Are you obeying what the the Holy Spirit is telling you to do week after week? Are Are you living by the fruit of the Spirit? There are so many things that we need to check off in this. You don't make him. See, this is the thing about lordship. You don't make him lord over your life. He's already lord over your life. You just have to accept him 
as Lord over your life. Am I talking to somebody? You don't make him. He doesn't need you to make him Lord over your life. He's already. You just need to acknowledge it. And how do you acknowledge it? By stepping aside. By giving. Some of us, we have Jesus in our trunk. For some of us, he's our emergency. It's, it's, our, it's our, our, our extra, our, our tire that we have lying around, our spare tire. We only go to Jesus when we have a flat. We only go to Jesus in times of emergency. It's tucked away. We don't even know if it's inflated or deflated. Man, when emergency strikes is when we go in and we're like, how do we work this? And Jesus is like, uh, you call me Lord, Lord. But man, you, you don't yield to me. You don't, you don't use me. Some of us were, some of us in the back seat. Some of you are like, you're better than, you know, the trunk. You're like, oh, pastor, I don't, I don't put him in the trunk. I, I, I pray every day. But for some of us, it's a conditional prayer. It's a conditional obedience. Lord, I, I want you to be Lord. But at the same time, can you do the back seat? Like, I'll ask you and I'll have conversations with you when I'm really bored. It's this long road trip that we're on. And every time we're bored, every time we need to talk, every time we need to stay awake, we're like, hey, what's going on? Am I talking to somebody? Like, who is Jesus to you? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Like, is he your spare tire? Is he your backseat driver? Is he your passenger seat driver? Like, like, is he your co-passenger? Or is he your driver? Like, Jesus wants to be your driver. Come on, am I, am I talking? Like, Jesus wants to be your driver. It's a good thing that we have a king, y'all. It's a good thing that we have a Lord who says, I am your shepherd. You shall not want. It's a declaration. It's a covenant. It's a promise. He says, I am your Lord. I am your shepherd. You just have to be in obedience to me. We are the sheep. He is the shepherd. Stop wanting to always be in the driver's seat. Wanting to be a, in the driver's seat is a young blood thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm, I'm talking about the, you know when you're like 14, 15, you're like, I can't wait to drive. My six-year-old the other day was like, Dad, when do I get to drive? I'm like, oh, calm down. Let's practice your song, okay, <laughs> that we have to sing on Sunday. <laughs> Six years old, we have a long time to go. I don't want to think about that right now. Anybody been there? You, you've been there, right? You're so eager to drive. You're like 14 and you're like, can't wait to drive. Right? Right? You, you know what I'm talking about, Gracie. You, you can't wait to drive. And then you get to see, you're like, okay, I want to drive every day. Can I drive, Dad? Dad, can I drive? Dad, can I? Do you want to go to Walmart, Dad? No, no it's 12 o'clock at night. What are you talking about? You, we could just go. No. You're excited. You want to just go play. You want to drive everybody everywhere. And then you get older like me and you're like, I just don't want to drive. I just, I'm like, babe, you want to drive? Like, we go to Houston from time to time. I'm like, you want to drive? Because I don't feel like driving right now. Anybody been there? Like, you like to be in the driver's seat when you're young. Slowly you get older like me, you get a girl. Hey, can you pick me up? You want to be driven around. Am I talking to somebody? It comes with maturity. It comes with that maturity. And, and some of y'all have not reached that place. You always want to be in the driver's seat. But when you've been through the school of hard knocks, when you've been through life where you know that no matter how much you try and no matter how much you want to be in the driver's seat, man, you end up in crashes and crashes and crashes and crashes. And, and your insurance is shooting up and you're like, God, I, I think I'm done, Lord. Can you just take over? I want to encourage somebody today. Don't wait for that moment. 
Don't wait for the moment where you're at the end of the rope and you have nothing more and nothing else to go. And today I want to encourage you and say, hey, give God that driver's seat. Give him that steering wheel. I want some of y'all to be that, that person that gets in that place, Carrie Underwoods, who say, Jesus, tag the wheel. I didn't sing that right at all, but you get the idea. That's what it means by saying he's my Lord. Do not claim him as Lord if you do not want to be under his instruction. And the promise of Christmas is that he wants to be your ruler. Someone say ruler. He wants to rule over your life. He wants to have a say in your life. He wants to be king over your life. He wants to be Lord of your life. And what that means is that he wants to say yes to you. He wants to make those decisions. And some of us need to wake up in the morning every single day and say, Lord, I have my agenda, but I'm going to put my agenda aside. Your will be done, Lord. Tell me what you want me to do. Show me the people you want me to talk to. Close the doors that you need to close. Open the doors that you need to open because you Lord our Lord you are the shepherd and you are all knowing and I want to trust you and believe that you have the best in store for me can I hear an amen? amen that's my resolve that's my resolve worship team you guys can get ready to come back up this last week I was on I was on the television and I think it was watching a NFL game and just moving through channels and uh, it was not not last week but in the beginning of December I think they were, they, were, they were lighting up the tree in front of the Rockefeller Center. Everybody looks forward to that. That's, that's the big event. And for all you New Yorkers, you know what, you, what, what we're talking about. You guys get to be a part of that. The other day, I was, I, was, I was talking to a New Yorker at our church, and I was like, hey, did you ever go and see the lighting of the tree? And they're like, eh, never. In all my years living there, I've never been. You guys think it's a great thing, but we don't think it's a great thing, but... We like stuff like that, right? I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's, and this year, the tree at the Rockefeller Center was 82 feet, 82 feet tall. I was listening to this guy talk about the tree, and they were like, it's 50 feet wide. It's 82 feet tall. It weighs 14 tons. And they take this thing, and they put it in, 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 in the square, in the, in the Rockefeller Center. There's a picture of it. If you guys can put that picture up. That's the beautiful tree. And they have the skating rink that they put out there. And it's a jolly good time. Everybody, there's a live cam. If you want to go and just Google it, you can actually see the live cam of, of people like skating and, and doing all this stuff. And this is massive, crazy, massive tree. It's amazing because this tree is a tree that speaks of the festivity of Christmas. But there's something that a lot, not a lot of people see at the Rockefeller Center. And it's this, it's this, this, uh, the statue of Atlas. If you go to the next, next shot, right there in the Rockefeller Center. Shan, would you scoot just a tad? Thank you, sir. You, you're fine. You're, you're totally fine. You'll see the statue of Atlas. And, and as you know, Atlas is known as this guy in Greek mythology is this guy that's, that's, that's holding down the earth and he's making sure the earth doesn't collapse. He's making sure that he is holding up everything that needs to be held up. Are you am I talking to somebody? Like He is the guy over there making sure that we're all good. That gravity still exists. But he's straining. If you look at his face in the original, in the original drawing, he's straining to make sure that he holds the world up. 
everybody's awed of that, but what not a lot of people know or don't realize is, and again, I want to make some clarifications here, but I like the beauty and the message in this. Right, like maybe 40 yards right opposite. If you stand at this, at the statue and look across, you see the St. Patrick's Cathedral right across the street. Right across the street. And if the doors of the cathedral are wide open, the eyes of Atlas would lead right up to the altar where you would see this other statue of this boy Jesus that has the world in his hand. Now, I don't condone statues. We're not talking about idolatry. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not agreeing with any of that. So please, I, I want to make that disclaimer. I'm just using this as an illustration. There's this, there's this image and there's this statue of infant Jesus with a globe in his hand, not straining, not making sure that he's using all his power to hold up the world and the earth, looking straight down at Atlas in a way to tell him, I got it. I'm the ruler. I, I have it under control. I want to remind somebody this morning that I serve a God that is in control. I serve a Jesus that has your life under control. He wants to be in control. He wants the steering wheel. And, and some of us are trying and straining. And some of us have been, man, just doing rather than being in the presence of God. I want to encourage somebody, stop doing as much as you are. Stop trying as much as you are. The success of the world... Would you stand up to your feet? The success of the world, the, the attractions of the world, the stuff of the world that pulls you in and says, do, 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 do. If you don't do this, you're not going to get this. If you don't do that, you're not going to achieve this. All I did was try to show you that imagery that no matter what this world shows you, that it's capable of holding you up. However this world wants to show you, that it's capable of holding you up, sustaining you. That could be a job. That could be your resources. It could be your finances. It could be a business. It could be your ideas. It could be your family. It could be your amazing marriage. Doesn't matter what you got going on for you. All these things may be holding you, but what you don't see is a straining atlas. There's always a breaking point. There's always a breaking point for anything that this world has to offer. But staring from the other side in the face of everything that's holding you up is this Jesus that says, I want to hold you. I want to be in control. I want to hold your world. I want to hold your existence. I want to hold your life. I want to hold you and your kids and your family. So stop straining under the weight of the world. I came. The promise of Christmas was that I I'm just not a savior, but the promise of Christmas is that I am your shepherd. I want to take care of you. I want to be in control. I want to take the reins on your, on, come on, that God is reminding somebody today that I want to be your Lord. 
So stop praying Lord Jesus in your prayers. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. Stop saying that. That's what, that's what he means there. The Bible says Jesus himself is saying, stop saying Lord, Lord, if you don't mean it. Like so many of us pray and we're like, Lord Jesus, would you do this and would you do this? And, would you? and that's a great prayer. And that's a great way to address him. That's the way you got to address him. But if you don't mean it, stop praying it. Lord Jesus, literally, you are saying and saying, Lord, you're the driver of this ship. Like, whatever I'm about to pray, I'm about to pray. I'm going to ask whatever it is. But Jesus, in own words, but not my will, but your will be done. I want to remind somebody, you are loved. You are treasured. I don't know what struggle you're going through. I don't know what pain you're going through, but you're not alone. There's a Jesus that's holding you up and you don't even know it. He's holding you in his hands. He's, he's not even straining. He's not even struggling. He's in fact looking at you and saying, cast your burdens upon me because I can. Because I can. Because I will. It's not a man. Sure, I, I could. Come on, bring it on. No. It's a cast your burdens because I can. I'd love to. today I want to encourage somebody that man I don't know what you're going through but today you know every Christmas Eve is when we celebrate we didn't have a service yesterday but we wanted to do one service today and every Christmas I tell people man that God is looking at some of us to be the light of the world but some of us cannot be the light of the world because we're doing so much that we just have nothing to give so many of us yeah, we want to be the light of the world. We want to, you know, be that to the world around us, but we have nothing. We have nothing to offer because we are spent doing things on our own. But Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. He said, a town that is built in a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Today we're as we worship to this last song, we're going to light a candle in a symbolic demonstration that we recognize that the light of the world is Jesus. And yet, we have the duty and we have the job and in a symbolic representation, we are gonna do that in a few seconds where we're gonna pass the light. I'm gonna light the first light. Okay, now, again, I don't want you to misunderstand. The first light is the light of Christ. And I'm not by any means in imagination saying I am Christ. Please don't misconstrue what I'm saying. But when you allow him to be your light, he has the potential to pass on to you what you can pass on to others. Some of us put it under a stand instead of giving it to everyone in the house or our neighbors and people around us. Jesus says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. With Christ shining in our hearts, with Christ being our Lord, with Christ being our Savior, with Christ being the center of everything we do, we are sent to light the, the world and illuminate the path of someone else's darkness by bringing them into the light of Jesus. And today, as we do this, I want this to be symbolic and just not lighting a candle and singing Silent Night, but I want us to understand our mission. 
as to why we even are here between the first advent and the last advent there is a time in between that God challenges you and me and tasks you and me with the responsibility of taking this light to the world and unless every person knows Jesus man I don't want to rest. We have something we say here at Commission until all of Plano knows. Thank you for listening. We love bringing you the word on so many different platforms. We are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us. We'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out. And don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you.